Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the trade deadline has passed. Kelly Oubre Jr. is still on the Golden State Warriors, but uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. First, let's talk quickly about this Warriors-Kings game, which the Warriors lost in a surprisingly easy fashion. It wasn't much of an enjoyable game to watch, to be honest, but just some really, really quick thoughts. Nico Mannion, my man, um, his three-point shot is looking way better. He nailed a few, and that's huge because, like I've always said, that kid can run an offense. He's a very confident-looking point guard, makes the right decisions. And now that he hit the three, people are going under the screens. I think if they start coming over the screens, it'll give him more of an option to dribble drive and create more just in general, and be more dynamic. He did have a bunch of problems on defense trying to stop De'Aaron Fox because that kid is quick. De'Aaron Fox is one of the quickest dudes in the league, and that's a problem for anyone, let alone Nico Mannion, who is probably a step or two slower. But but Mannion, you're seeing progress, and that's good. James Wiseman, he had a really rough game. He was like very, very physically frustrated, kind of sitting, slouching on the sideline, looking a little upset. At least Eric Paschal and Juan Toscano Anderson seemed to be talking to him and getting him through whatever he was feeling at that point. But hey, the frustration is pretty obvious. Slump shoulders, kind of looking down, getting mad, knocking things around. At least he cares. That's good. I mean, this is just part of it. He's 19. He's he's turning 20 pretty soon. And he's just frustrated. And he wants to be great. He wants to be better. And hopefully he'll start getting to a rhythm after he plays several games in a row. It was rough because it didn't seem like anyone could really get him the ball. There weren't many lob opportunities or uh, pick and roll opportunities where he was open or people were trying to hit him. He wasn't getting the ball in post up much. He missed a bunch of shots when he did have the opportunity to, to get the ball. I get it. My opinion of what he will be sooner rather than later hasn't changed, but these are just the growing pains and he's going to have these games, obviously. And that's something we as fans just have to accept and be patient with as this youth movement sorts itself out. The Warriors in general just seemed flat and they got just steamrolled by the Kings. One thing I'll say, everybody talks about how Tyrese Halliburton was such a steal at 12 and technically he was. He looks confident. He looks like a vet. I'd always thought that he would have been great on the Warriors. Obviously, I'm happy with Wiseman even though Wiseman's struggling right now. But Halliburton had always reminded me potentially of a Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala type, someone who is in command, can play a few different positions, and is just a very, very savvy, mature, mentally mature player. He's going to be great, great pickup for the Kings. But people shouldn't act like this is some kind of surprise. Yes, he went 12th. Every, every single draft prognosticator or anyone in the know expected him to go top five. I mean, there was talk about the Warriors taking him at two. It shouldn't be a surprise that he is this good. Out of all the players that were in the 2020 draft, he seems to be the one who is playing the way people expected him, like exactly how. 
you know, he's living up to what the line on him was. It's just more surprising that these teams just skipped him. Like, that's what I don't understand. I would love to hear why you want to take, like, Killian Hayes or Isaac Coro. I mean, I get it. Cleveland has two guards already that they've drafted in recent years. They're both small, but they wanted to move away from that and not bring in another young guard, right? They went for need, right? They went with a small forward. So another example of why you should draft for overall talent as opposed to need. And then the Pistons, I mean, there was so much hype on Killian Hayes. I guess they couldn't just pass that up. But, you know, there's other teams like the Suns taking, was it Jalen Smith? The Suns passed on him, but everyone knew, everyone already expected Tyrese Halliburton to be good. It wasn't like he was a sleeper in the draft and no one realized he was going to be this good. People knew. It's just that the teams didn't pull the trigger on him. I mean, I think one through three are solid. I wouldn't have taken Halliburton there. I think Patrick Williams is going to be a great player for Chicago. But anything five on, they should have just taken Halliburton. I was expecting him to be off the board really quickly. I would have taken it. Tons of other people would have too, but just not these GMs in front offices. That's enough of that. I got to say, Vubang and I got together and recorded an episode talking about the trade deadline. We went through all the trades and kind of broke down who we thought were the winners and losers and stuff. But I guess the platform that we used to record it didn't record it properly. So it's gone. (laughs) We're going to try to get together and do it again and talk about some other stuff too. But I just wanted to really quickly just talk about what the Warriors did and didn't do. They, first of all, traded Brad Wanamaker and Marquise Chris. Uh, That makes me both happy and sad. I'm happy Uh, that they traded Wanamaker because I think that's a win-win for him and the team, the fans and the Warriors squad. It was pretty much over for Wanamaker. They moved on to Nico Mannion and Nico Mannion needs minutes. The only way Wanamaker would have played is like if Steph is out, you know, they could have used him, I guess, to play a little bit of defense on De'Aaron Fox last night. So basically the Warriors get cash considerations back for Wanamaker, which is great because they open up a roster spot that they can use and Wanamaker gets a chance now that LaMelo Ball is injured and out for most of the season, if not all the season, he gets a chance to get some minutes as a backup in Charlotte. So good for him. He's a free agent. Hopefully he catches on somewhere, not in Golden State. The Marquise Chris trade, I really like Marquise Chris. He would have been a huge help this season because he would have taken so much pressure off of James Wiseman. I mean, he was a leading rebounder. Uh, he's big and athletic. Like there are other centers: Eric Pascal, six 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 seven; Draymond Green, six 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 seven; Kevon Looney, he's six nine, but he jumps like two inches high, so he might as well be six 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 seven. And Marquise Chris was like six nine and fully athletic. I mean, that guy, remember all the lobs from last season. He was like a bright spot. It sucks that he broke his leg, but at least he's going to an organization that isn't garbage. He's going to the Spurs. Hopefully they took him because they actually see something in him. And who knows, maybe the Warriors end up signing Chris in the offseason because he's a free agent. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, Hopefully he catches on in San Antonio or somewhere because I think I've always thought the kid was talented. He just had kind of a immature attitude when he was with Phoenix. And then it became like a, a project that got passed along to Houston and Cleveland and found a home in Golden State. 
and finally started maturing a little bit. And I think he can be a really, really solid NBA pro. Good luck to him. The Warriors got some random dude that they'll never see who plays in South Korea. And they also just opened up another roster spot. So whether they convert JTA or Nico Mannion to permanent roster spots, if they try to bring someone up from the G League, if they try to pick someone up, else up from somewhere else. I mean, who knows? Whatever. But at least they have some roster flexibility. And finally, the Warriors ended up keeping Kelly Oubre Jr. This is an interesting move. I honestly was just like, I hope they move him because for one, it was the most practical thing to do. But obviously they didn't get any deals they wanted. Oladipo, Aaron Gordon, Lonzo Ball, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Those teams wanted a lot from the Warriors. And I understand the Warriors not wanting to give up picks. You know, it's like, hey, we'll keep kicking the tires on Kelly Oubre Jr. We just don't want to give up our future options. And I'd always said that if the Warriors end up keeping Oubre, I'm open. (laughs) You know, like I think he is valuable as a wing, as a defender, as a three and D guy who can get hot from outside, coming off the bench. Steve Kerr on a local Bay Area radio station said that you know, he emphasized the night before the trade deadline that he'd love to have Kelly Oubre back, but, you know, he would be coming off the bench behind Clay and Wiggins. And that was the first time I'd actually heard anyone on the Warriors staff say that clearly, right? I guess it's kind of obvious. I mean, it's obvious to all the fans and all the media prognosticators who cover the Warriors because, like, of course, Clay Thompson's going to start. Of course, Wiggins is going to start. So Oubre would be coming off the bench. To me, that was another reason, actually, why you should move him because Oubre is going to be expensive as as an unrestricted free agent who's 25, 26 years old, and he's going to want to start. He doesn't want to be known as a bench player his whole career. He's been starting all season, and you know he's in that part of his career where he's trying to really, really level up and make a name for himself. So going backwards and coming off the bench just probably isn't something he wants to do. And then after the Kings game, he talked about it, and he basically was completely noncommittal when asked about coming off the bench. He was just like, I can't predict the future, you know? And honestly, like, to me, that signals that he doesn't want to come off the bench, obviously, and he might be gone. That would mean the salary slot that we had for him from the Iguodala trade. The Warriors just lose it. And if they lose it, move on, I guess right? Maybe they reduce their salary. Maybe, hey, maybe they end up getting the Minnesota pick and they get Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, somebody who can fill that wing role. Obviously wouldn't be the same because those guys would be raw and young and still like 19 years old and they'd have similar problems probably that uh, other 19-year-olds have. But if Clay starts getting into rhythm a couple months into the season, and then you can just put a 19-year-old and get some spot minutes here or there, whatever. And then, of course, you can also pick somebody else up or trade for somebody else. You can figure something out. But bottom line is the Warriors just didn't want to make that move, and they wanted to see if they could make it work. And Ubre now, reading between the lines, is not wanting to come off the bench. Here's the thing. It's like, we get to watch Kelly Ubre play, and... Now, I guess we want to see him play well, but the better he plays, the more expensive he's going to be and the more he's not going to want to come off the bench. If he is just lights out, then it's like, I'm not coming off the bench. I'm unrestricted. Someone's going to pay me 
a ton of money and I'm going to go there. And the Warriors can't do anything about it. And that's just how it is. If he plays poorly, then maybe he would sign. Maybe he would be willing to come off the bench. But still, he would have to play like really, really badly because teams are going to come after him no matter what. Hey, him coming off the bench, the small ball lineups that the Warriors would be able to throw out there would be amazing with him and Clay Thompson, but I'm not going to hold my breath. The writing is a little bit on the wall, and if he's signaling this now, who knows how like mentally invested he is in this team. We might just see somebody who is gunning for a contract. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he's just going to go lone wolf and start jacking up shots, but Right now, if you ask me just point blank, like, do I think he's going to be on the team next year? I'll say no. That's it. And does that mean like, oh, man, the Warriors should have traded him for something? Yes, maybe so. But like for what? And what else would you have had to give up? Would you have been willing to give up Pascal just to get off of Oubre? Would you have been willing to give up some first round picks, like a bunch of second round picks? Maybe the Warriors are willing to let this salary slot go away and figure out once Clay gets back how to add a couple more wings. Maybe they could add somebody who can just do a few of the things because you don't need a starters level salary coming off the bench. You don't need a guy who's going to play starters minutes off the bench per se. It is what it is. But, you know, he's still around. They're riding out with him, and they'll have a good chance to see what they have in Jordan Poole compared to Kelly Oubre Jr. Different players, of course. Like Poole is not as big, not as good defensively, but he definitely has the ability to score. I mean, there's one of your solutions for next year as well, right? Jordan Poole coming off the bench in the sixth, seventh man role, right? Like there's some scoring. Maybe, you know, the Warriors were like, you know, let's just play Oubre this season, ride it out. Hopefully Poole earns the ability to fill in those minutes that Ubre would play next season behind Clay, filling in for Clay when, you know, obviously he's going to need some nights off getting back from those two injuries. So maybe you don't need Kelly Ubre Jr. to do that. I mean, maybe it would block Jordan Poole. I mean, you watch Kelly Ubre Jr. play with some of these younger guys and he doesn't seem to be enjoying it. He looks like he gets frustrated with Wiseman. He doesn't have a rhythm with those guys very much at all. I mean, with Wiseman, I've noticed that they keep kind of almost running into each other on pick and rolls. Wiseman will set a screen and run to the rim. Ubre will <laughs> run off that screen and go to the basket, and they kind of meet somewhere underneath. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm still obviously looking forward to seeing how the team progresses this season. I'm very much invested in the future of these young guys, as all Warriors fans should be. And I have high hopes. I have high hopes. I believe in these kids, and I want to see what they have to offer. I believe that after a few games, James Wiseman is going to get into some kind of rhythm and he's going to have a few good games and there's going to be more good games. He's just been out of it for a while. It's been stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. So once he gets past that, I feel like he'll be all right. You know, like I, I feel bad for the kid a little bit because he is just 19, 20 years old. We shall see the Warriors turn around quickly and play the Hawks 
no Steph Curry. So without Steph and Draymond, it's starting to feel a little bit like last season. I still believe that they'll get into the playoffs. The goal has always been getting the playoffs, make a little noise, have a little fun, get the kids some experience, and develop the young guys at the same time, and keep our draft pick and get the Minnesota pick. If all those things can happen, if the universe aligns, the stars and the planets align in the right way, then all good. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to follow and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. And check us out on YouTube at YouTube.com slash National Film Society for these episodes on there if you prefer. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs.